Today we're going to praise the Lord. Our theme for this series is Praise the Lord. Last week we introduced our series with two verses, uh, and they be, have become our memory verses. The first is Psalm 150, verse 6. It is the theme verse for this series. It's our church verse for the next several months. Say it out loud with me, all right? Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Do it with enthusiasm now, all right? Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. We're here today to give praise, honor, and glory to Him. The second verse is Psalm 119, 164. We've adopted it as our personal verse. It says, seven times a day I will praise you for your righteous laws. And our assignment this past week has to just been do that, to implement that. Stopping seven times a day, pausing seven times a day, and giving praise to God. And I hope that you've started that journey. Uh, I know that if you've done it, God has blessed you mightily, and you're benefiting from giving praise to God. If you were created as a human being, which you were, if you were given life as you have been, and breath, God made you to praise Him. And as a church, we're learning how to praise the Lord according to the Bible. Now, another verse that's really helped me is Psalm 100, verse 4. Uh, Psalm 100 is just a great passage to go home and read. But verse 4 specifically says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And so seven times a day when I've been giving praise to God, I begin my praise with thanksgiving. Because I'm going through those gates. I'm entering into the presence of God. And the only way to get into the throne room of grace is through the gate of thanksgiving. And so, you know, I've been thanking God for everything. And, and that's biblical. We are to give thanks to God for all things. And, of course, the things that we think of are, you know, like family and friends and our church and, and good health and maybe the Bible and the Holy Spirit. But here's what I've discovered this past week in giving thanks to God. It's also beneficial for me to give thanks to God for the tough times, the hard spots in life. Because during those difficult days, as much as I hate them, I realize that that's when I need and receive the power of God in my life. And I can look back on those difficult times and see where many times God just picked me up and carried me. Huh? And so I can praise God for difficult days and hard times. And then as we give Him thanks, we enter into the courtroom and we just give praise and adoration and glory to God. Yeah. Woo! Man, isn't it awesome to do that? Yeah. Let's do it right now together, all right? Heavenly Father, we come into your presence today with thanksgiving in our heart. Lord, we thank you for all the good things that you've given to us. This morning, we thank you for the word of God which is going to speak to us today. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who is here energizing our life and, and bringing us into the presence of God. We thank you for Jesus himself who became our sin substitute on Calvary's cross. I thank you for this church my brothers and sisters in Christ who make it up. And I thank you, dear Lord, today for just being God. And dear Lord, we come into your courts with praise in our mouth. We speak our praise to you. Praise the Lord. For you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power. For you have created all things, 
and for your pleasure they are and were created. And dear Lord, we praise you today. Teach us to praise you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, one of my favorite stories about praising the Lord is about this expressive woman who was uh, visiting from out of town. Uh, she just happened to wander into a very liturgical church service on a Sunday morning. Uh, a liturgical service is one where the preacher or priest speaks. Uh, the congregation, they are allowed to uh, maybe read passages together or sing hymns, but the rest of the time they're, they're sitting there like there's a fishing rod down the back of their collar and they're really formal. All right, you with me? All right. So this, this very expressive lady was in a liturgical service and she just got caught up in what the preacher was preaching on. She, she got caught up in the message and the word of God and the Holy Spirit began to bless her heart. And so she said out loud, praise the Lord. Well, there was a hush that fell on the congregation that was not so much a holy hush. <laughs> it was, it was kind of like a gasp, all right? And, and a lady sitting next to her leaned over and said, Excuse me, ma'am, we don't praise the Lord in this church. <laughs> there was an older gentleman seated right behind these two ladies, and he leaned forward and said, Oh, yes, we do. It's on page 19 in the hymn book. Vance Havner, one of my favorite preachers to read, said, Too many church services start at 11 o'clock sharp, and they end at 12 o'clock dull. <laughs> Ever been in one of those? Yeah. I hope it wasn't here, right? Well, here, here's what I got to say to you folks. When we come into this house and our focus is on God, the God of the universe, the God that sits on that throne we read about in Revelation chapter 4, and when we know why we have been created and why we are here, and that is to bring praise, honor, and glory to Him, I'm here to tell you it can never be dull when we're here to praise the Lord. Praise is where God lives. Last week we discovered in Psalm 22, verse 3, But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. In other words, praise is where God lives. It is his permanent address. It is his home element. He is at home in praise. And when we praise God, God manifests himself because he is at home. And he does what God does when he's at home. He is great, and he is greatly to be praised. And so God inhabits the praise of his people. Whether you're doing it individually in your car or your home, or we're doing it publicly here at Kavanaugh Church, when we praise God, God's at home. He inhabits our praise. He loves it when we praise him. But on the other hand, the devil despises our praise. The devil hates it when God's people praise. He hates it when a believer gives praise and glory to God. Thus the title for my message this morning, The Devil Don't Like It. I mean, I tell you, that really goes with a theme song that we have in the first service. We don't do the same music, first and second services. And so there, there's a Southern Gospel song uh, that it, it just talks about praising the Lord. And there's a little phrase in there that the devil doesn't like it, but, you know, I don't care. I'm going to praise my Jesus everywhere. Yeah, that, that's the, the devil doesn't like it. The devil doesn't like it when we praise God. 
Now, let me do a quick timeout. Are you with me? Please, please don't wander away this morning, all right? Let me give you a quick timeout and tell you what's going to happen to you if you decide to go on this journey of biblical praise. I know three things are going to happen because they've already happened in my life. And I can just guarantee you these same three things are going to happen in your life if you say, okay, pastor, let's go, let's go on this journey of praising God. The first thing is going to happen is just pure excitement. I mean, I've gotten so excited I've just kind of been giddy. <laughs> it's kind of weird for a big guy to get giddy, but I mean, I've just, I, I really, have, I've been so excited with the thought of, okay, here I am, Will Harmon, a, a mere mortal man, and I'm actually coming into the very throne of God and giving praise to the God of the universe. I am able to lift up my hands and cry out, Abba, Father! Now, can I, I'll probably say this in, in another message coming along down the road, but I've just had this thought because I've been one of those guys. I've hardly ever raised my hands in worship. I mean, we, just, we didn't do that at the Westside Free Will Baptist Church in Midland, Texas. I mean, your hands went down here, but didn't grow up doing this. All of my life, I have been uncomfortable in the presence of people doing this. I'm just being honest with you, okay? Okay? You have too, apparently. Had, had, the, had this thought. I don't have any grandkids. Maybe one day I'm going to have grandkids. But I've got a lot of grandkids in this church. Little bitty kids that, I don't know, they, they think I'm Brother Johnny. And so they love me. And, and I'll be walking down the hall or I can go over to our children's center during the, the weekday. And here are these little bitty kids, all sizes, all ages. They'll, they'll come up to me and they'll be doing this. You know what they're wanting? I'm going to have to get down here because you're not getting this. You know what these little kids are wanting when they do this? Bubby, have you ever done this to me? Yeah, you've done it to me. Your sisters have too. They're wanting me to do this and pick them up love on them you know not one time when one of these little kids have come up to me and, and done that not one time have I lectured them on raising their hands up to me and say to them in a disciplinary way you know what I don't really think that uh, that is appropriate for you as a two-year-old to be lifting up your hands wanting me a dignified senior pastor to pick you up and hold on you and love on you. This is not the place for that, nor is this the time for that. Never done that. It would be inappropriate for me to do that. No, when a little kid reaches up their arms for me to hold them, you know what I do? And I've had this image in my head this week. When I'm lifting up my hands to I have a father, I'm that little kid and he's my heavenly father and he loves me and I guarantee you he's not gonna lecture me when I lift up my hands and praise and worship to him he's gonna embrace me and hold me and love me and bless me well praise the Lord <laughs> praise the Lord so here's the I gotta get back to my thought because I'll keep you here till one o'clock if I don't first thing he's gonna have is excitement you're going to be excited. I get to do this. You're going to be blown away and excited when you explore the Word of God and realize that praising God is found from, Revelation, from Genesis to Revelation. 
It's all through the Word of God. There are so many words describing praise that are translated in the English language as, as different words like the word bless, bless the Lord. That means to praise the Lord. And it's all through the Bible. And it's exciting to find those gems in the Scripture and to realize that our chief purpose is to praise God. That's why He made me. It's to praise Him. It's exciting. But then the second thing is going to happen to you. As soon as you start doing this, the devil is going to attack you. And I'm going to get into it in my sermon because the devil hates praise. He hates it when you praise him. And so if you decide to go on this journey, just get ready, man. Get, get ready. The devil is going to attack you. I mean, he's, he's been full force on me. Honestly, it, I told the first service, and I'm just, I'm, I'm just being honest with you. You know I'm, I'm that way. But last Sunday morning when I preached this first sermon on praise, the first time at the 9 o'clock service, halfway through the message, something just hit my body. I felt it. This cold chill went through me, and I started physically getting sick. Went to my office between services and just kind of laid down in there and tried to recover, came back in here and did my best to preach to you. When I went home that afternoon, I took my fever, and I had 101 fever. And it wouldn't go away. I was, had to be gone this past week. So I went to the doctor, and uh, he couldn't find anything wrong with me. He said, I don't know why you're running a fever. Nothing wrong with you. And so on the way out, I stopped at the reception desk. And, and the reception, there's Miss Verna. I've known her for years. And she said, well, what's, what's wrong with you, preacher? And I said, well, I got this crazy fever. I don't know. It happened while I was preaching the first service. She said, uh-huh. She said, it happened when you were preaching the first sermon. I said, yes, Miss Vernon, it happened when I was preaching the first. She said, it was the devil. Matter of fact, it was the devil. And I looked at her and I said, you know what, Miss Vernon? I think you're right. He will attack you. But here's the third thing. If you push through it, if you fight through it, if you say, devil, you're not going to have your way in this. I'm going to keep praising the Lord, and you just keep praising the Lord. The third thing happens. You will find the joy of the Lord is your strength. There is joy in praising God because that's where God lives. God inhabits the praise of his people. The devil has to flee when he hears a believer worshiping and giving praise to God. And that's really what my sermon is about today. Last week we discovered four principles of praise. Today I'm going to follow up with three more principles from the Word of God about praise and doing battle with the devil. The first one is this. Praise is a God-given garment to ward off the spirit of despair and heaviness. Now I know that's a long phrase for my first point, but did you get it? Giving praise to God is a God-given garment that is going to guard us against the spirit of despair. The passage I want to read to you is found in Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah chapter 61. Uh, this is a passage that Jesus later quoted in the New Testament. But, but listen to what it says, Isaiah 61 verse 1. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, 
and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and then get this one, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Some translations use the word heaviness there. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor, for His glory. Now, I could preach all morning on just this passage of Scripture, but what I want you to see is that last phrase I read, if you praise God, God is going to give you this garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness, instead of a spirit of despair, instead of a spirit of discouragement. Now, church, I'm here to tell you, no exercise or medicine will cure the ill of discouragement and despair like praising God will. Okay? Despair and praise cannot live in the same heart. They are absolutely incompatible roommates. And if I am to take this literally, which I do, I take this passage literally, I can assume comfortably that there is a spirit of despair. Are you with me? There is a spirit of discouragement. There is a spirit of heaviness. Now my question to you is this. Who gives out? Who dishes out that spirit? Who gives us a spirit of despair? Who gives us a spirit of heaviness? It's not God, right? God's gifts are good gifts, the fruit of the Spirit. No, it is the devil himself. However, nothing terrifies the devil and his demons like praising God. Praise brings the consciousness of the presence of God with all that accompanies it. And the liars from the pit, are you with me? The liars from the pit cannot effectively market their wares in an atmosphere of praise. Well, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And since praise is a garment, we make a choice of whether we're going to put it on or not put it on. I'm looking around here. Let me, let me try to strain and look up in the balcony. Yep. All of you got up this morning and decided to put clothes on. Okay, praise the Lord. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Now, I don't, on Sundays, I don't know what process you go through of, of dressing yourself, picking out your wardrobe. I always do mine on Saturday night because Sunday's real busy, important for me. So on Saturday nights, I always pick out what I'm going to wear and make sure it's pressed and ironed and ready to go and, and hanging in the closet there, okay? So I did that last night. This morning, I got up having already made the decision, I'm going to wear this shirt with this jacket, this tie, this scarf, these pants, these shoes, and this belt. And I chose to put it on. It was my choice to wear this jacket today. Just as it was your choice to wear your shirt or your blouse or your coat. And that's the way it is with praise. We choose to put it on. 
and the constant wearing of this praise will ward off. It will guard against the spirits of depression and discouragement and despair. I guarantee it. Isn't that good news? Because I'm here to tell you, we are all plagued by this spirit of despair. Are we not? I mean, I try to be as encouraging as I can, upbeat. I try to be positive all the time because I, I feel like that's why kind of the ministry God's called me into, to encourage people and, and, and be a motivation for people. And, and I try to be happy as much as I can and, and have a spirit of joy in my heart. But sometimes it ain't that way. Sometimes the problems of the world in my life get to me. Sometimes I feel the spirit of heaviness on me. When there is a problem in your life or a problem in this church, I feel that spirit of despair. When physical things happen to me, I can get mighty discouraged. But here's what I know. When I make it a choice to put on the garment of praise, and instead of sulking in that spirit of despair, when I turn heavenward and put my focus on God and begin to praise Him, making it a choice to give Him glory, things change. I've still got my problems. They haven't gone anywhere, but they have taken on their proper perspective. And that spirit of despair is out of here when I praise God. I want to do a woo, but my wife told me to quit doing that, so anyway. Thank you, buddy. One, two, three. Woo! There we go. All right. Now she's going to get mad at both of us, all right? Point number two. Follow me here. This is good. Praise, when we give praise, it glorifies God and is the preface to His miraculous deliverance. Praise glorifies God and it opens the door for God to do what God does best and that is deliver. Now, the Bible is full of illustrations of this. I'm going to give three of them to you really quickly. But first, the, the scripture that, that backs all of this up. It's Psalm 50, verse 23. It says, Who offers, Whoever offers praise glorifies me. And to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of the Lord. So quickly, let me interpret that. God is saying, if you make it your choice to give praise to me, hallelujah, your praise glorifies me. And if you do that, if you praise me, I am going to show up in your situation and I am going to save or deliver you. But it all is preceded through praise. You praise, God delivers. Now, let me give you these three illustrations, and these are remarkable. The first one is from 2 Chronicles chapter 20. It's the story of King Jehoshaphat of Judah. King Jehoshaphat and his little country of Judah have been warned that a coalition of three pagan nations have already assembled and they are marching towards Judah to annihilate God's people. They were the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the men of Mount Seir. And so I mean, it's quite concerning to this king, Jehoshaphat. He was scared to death, and so were his people. And so he called a town hall, an assembly, and everybody showed up. And he told the people what was happening, and he praised this remarkable prayer to God in the presence of the people. At the end of the prayer, this is what he praised. 
our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do. Have you ever been there? You've got these huge problems attacking you. You don't know what to do. God, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you, God. Isn't that awesome? I tell you, the first, I hate to compare services, but I'm you, first service people, they were shouting about this point. Right? There were some, some old ladies walking the pews. Not really, not really. Just, let's just crank up our excitement a little bit because this is good stuff. God, there's this big army coming to annihilate us. We don't know what to do, but we're looking to you. About that time, there was a prophet that God spoke to, and the prophet stood up, and he said, Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, it's God's. Man, it's getting good now, isn't it? And, and he goes on to say, tell you what, you just go out tomorrow and face this vast army and you watch and you see what God does. And about that time, all of the Levites stood up. All of the Levites stood up and what did they do? They praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a, get this, very loud voice. And so the praise has already started. Big army is coming to kill them. They're not afraid. What are they doing? They're praising God. So the next morning, King Jehoshaphat assembled all the people, and before the army, he appointed some men to sing to the Lord and to praise Him for the splendor of His holiness as they went out ahead of the army. Here is the one-line chorus this choir was singing. Give thanks to the Lord. For his love endures forever. And it tells us that these, these men went out, the army went out, and all along the path they were singing this song, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. They were praising God with their mouth and with their lips. In, in fact, here's, here's something pretty cool. What this verse, this little song they said, to give praise to God, it actually means to give thanks and praise to God with your hands extended. So they were walking around like this doing it, okay? And what happened? As they were praising God, the Bible says immediately God started to do what God does. God went to these armies, the Ammonites, Moabites, and men of Mount Seir, and he caused them to turn in on themselves. And they started fighting each other. And they destroyed each other. And so when God's people got to the edge and looked down in the valley expecting to see this vast coalition of sinister armies, they saw they were dead. They had killed themselves. And how did that deliverance come? When the people of God spoke praise to God. Praise is the preface to God's deliverance. Second story. I know you want me to hurry. Second story. Book of Jonah, chapter 2, verse 9. Here Jonah is in the belly of the whale. Y'all know Jonah's story, right? If you know Jonah's story, raise your hand. Make sure you're still up. Okay. God told him to go preach to the Ninevites. He says, no, I'm not going to go preach to the Ninevites. He tries to run as far away from God as he possibly can. Can you hear anything I'm saying? <laughs> so he gets on the ship going to Tarshish to run from God. 
God sends this violent storm. They throw Jonah out into the ocean. God prepared a big fish, a whale, to swallow him up. And now Jonah, because he said no to God, is spending three days and three nights in the whale motel. <laughs> and when he is down at the bottom of the ocean, in the belly of the whale, he finally comes to his senses. And he realizes that he's done wrong, and he needs to repent. So chapter 2 is this prayer to God of repentance. And then here's what it says. Chapter 2, verse 9 of Jonah. He's crying out and saying, But I with a song of praise, but I with shouts of gladful, grateful praise will sacrifice to you. He has had a change of mind. He's no longer complaining and arguing and belly aching about what God wants him to do. He's saying, God, with shouts of grateful praise, I will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And immediately in the next verse, God speaks to the fish. He gets indigestion and he vomits Jonah onto dry ground. He's delivered. I'm not going to say anything about his skin being bleached and turned white and how bad he stunk. I won't, I won't even go there. Point is, he got delivered from death. He got delivered from the fish's belly. And how did it happen? Through praise. He praised, God delivered. One final illustration comes from the life of Paul. Remember when Paul and Silas had been incarcerated and thrown into the Philippian jail? It happens over in Acts chapter 16. It actually, the reason they were thrown in jail is because there was a little demon-possessed girl following them around, and, and Paul cast the demon out of her, and her owners got mad at Paul because their source of income was all, all of a sudden taken away because she would foretell the future. And so they get mad, and they turn Paul and Silas into the magistrates who take Paul and Silas and beat them with whips and then throw them into prison. And here are Paul and Silas, nighttime, their backs have been beaten, they are chained together, they are fettered together against the wall with chains in the deep, dark prison. It's midnight, and what do these two cats do? They sing praises to God. They start singing and shouting praises to God. All the prisoners are listening, and you know what? God does it again. He sends an earthquake to shake the very foundation of that prison cell. Their fetters fall off, and they're free birds. <laughs> no longer jailbirds, they're free birds, man. The, the chief sheriff thought they had escaped and was about to kill himself, and Paul shouted, don't do yourself any harm. We're still here. God delivered us. And what did he say? What must I do to be saved? He took Paul and Silas home, cleaned their wounds. He was saved. His family were saved. They were baptized. The next morning, the officials found out what had happened, and they sent word to Paul and Silas, you're free. Leave this town. Get out of here. Paul, being a Roman citizen, I want you to get this. Paul, being a Roman citizen, said, no way. You beat us publicly and imprisoned us. You're going to come yourself and escort us out of town. That's the authority of the Word of God right there speaking to the enemy. And so that's exactly what they did. What happened? They were delivered from prison. Why? Because they praised God. 
Now, guys, listen to me. Please don't miss this point because this is the important point of these three stories. I don't know who it is or what it is that is attacking you today. But for some of you, you are under attack. It's as if these coalition of armies are focused in on you and they are attacking you. And you're saying, I don't know what to do. Now, you're not going to admit it publicly, but some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're under attack. Some of you here this morning are in the bottom of the ocean in the belly of a well. Your problems have become so enormous in life that they have swallowed you. And all you can see is intestines. All you can smell is stench. The stench of your problems. Others of you are here today and you are imprisoned. It may be a jail of your own making. Usually they are. Usually they are. Or it could be that someone has deceived you. And you're in a prison today. I don't know who you are and I don't know your situation. But I do know this. You can be delivered today. From your enemy. From the belly of despair. From your own prison. You can be set free. But it's not going to happen until you learn how to praise God. Praising God is the preface to seeing God's mighty deliverance in your life. Woo! So let Him free you today. I've got one more principle. It's this. Praise in the believer's arsenal is our chief weapon against the enemy. Now, God gives us many weapons against the enemy. One of them is the Word of God. It's Another one is prayer. But I believe praise is the chief weapon, the number one weapon God has given us. To me, this is one of the most intriguing mysteries of praise. And there are two great windows of Scripture that I believe allow us to see this great mystery. The first one is found in Psalm chapter 8, verse 2. Now, some of you guys like it when we get deep. In, in exegesis and interpretation of scripture and in deep theology. We're about to dive into some deep waters. Okay? But don't be afraid. We got some life preservers we'll throw out and save everybody here. But let's look at this verse. Psalm 8, verse 2. Here's what it says. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained, what's the word? Strength, that's the word I want you to focus on. Out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. God is ordaining strength to you so that you can silence the enemy and the avenger. Now, now, the thing, I just read that verse. You said, well, I didn't hear a word about praise. I didn't hear anything about praise. Well, here's the interesting thing. The word strength in this verse is quoted by Jesus in the New Testament and interpreted praise. They're interchangeable words. They come from the same Greek origin. Strength and praise, they're the same word. 
So in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 21, verse 16, Jesus is quoting this verse, and here's what Jesus says. Yea, have ye never read, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected? There's our same word, praise. And interestingly enough, this is not the only time praise and strength are used interchangeably. The truth is, praise is strength. And strength is praise. And church, let me tell you, nothing stops the devil in his tracks as fast as praise does. Neither the devil nor his demons can offer any protest after we begin praising the God, our God. They are hushed. And ultimately they flee. Now, th this has aroused some questions in my mind, such as, why is the devil stopped in his tracks when we start praising God? And, why is it that demons are so devastated when a church praises God? Why is it? Well, I'm not for sure. But I have a theory. <laughs> Can I share my theory with you? It's a, I'm calling it some willology, all right? There are three major passages in the Bible that teach us about the devil, Lucifer, and his fall from heaven. One of those is found in Isaiah chapter 14. And we are told that the devil's name was the morning star. When he was in heaven, he was referred to as the morning star. He was also called in that passage, the son of the dawn. In Ezekiel chapter 28, we have further information about the devil when he was an angel in heaven. And it tells us in that passage that the devil was the seed of perfection. It also tells us that he was full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. And it also tells us that he was a guardian cherub. So let me tell you, the devil was something. When he was in Lucifer was something in heaven. Now here's my theory. I, I can't back it up factually, but I, something I'm working on, something that I kind of believe. I, I believe perhaps the devil when he was an angel in heaven, was perhaps the praise leader in heaven. Perhaps the devil was the choir director. If not, I can guarantee you this, he was on the front row of the choir because he was one of the head honchos in heaven. He was right there at the throne of God giving praise to God. And somehow or another, Pride and egotism beset him. And he mistakenly surmised that there was the possibility of him being greater than God. And that possibility of him being greater than God was worth the risk of giving up the high privilege of being the choir director of heaven. And so he caused this massive rebellion among the angels and sought to dethrone God. Well, how tragically mistaken he was. And the price? He was kicked out of heaven. And he has lived ever since with regret and bitterness. And one-third of the angels in heaven were kicked out with him. 
The only relief that the devil and his demons can find is by inflicting pain and misery and anger and spite on Christians. I know that because of the third passage that talks about him in Revelation chapter 12. Remember that story? I I preached a sermon on it called A Lady, a Baby, and an Angry Red Dragon. The lady, just interpretation, was Mary giving birth to Jesus. The baby was Jesus. And the Bible says that there the angry red dragon was at the birth of Jesus wanting to consume him, to destroy him. But God protected that baby. He's now our Messiah. And the devil, having for the third time tried to overthrow God and get the best of God, the first time in heaven, the second time in Genesis chapter 3, now when the baby was born, he was cast into the pit, and his only relief is to inflict pain, misery, and suffering on those of us who follow Jesus Christ. Flip side of that is this. Praise... The continuing exercise of heaven is clearly etched into the memory of the devil and every other fallen angel. The memory of the aborted revolution in which they all lost their lofty positions is haunting and all too clear in their minds because they know the power and the strength of biblical praise. They've been a part of it. Therefore, When they hear biblical praise, it drives them crazy. They are irritated and devastated. Perhaps they turn in on each other in malignant anger. Their ranks are broken. Like metal scratching on glass is the sound of praise to them. And when we praise God, their influence is neutralized and their lies are exposed. And our praise puts them to flight. Come on, guys. Amen. And praise the Lord. So what is praise? Let me tell you. Praise is my number one weapon against the enemy. The devil hates praise. And even though I said at the beginning of my sermon, if if you decide to go on this journey, you're going to be attacked by the devil. It's going to happen. But he won't attack you long because he can't stand the praise. If you keep praising, he's out of there, man. He's got to flee. He can't take it. So it's your weapon. I said there's another scripture. I'm just going to read this one as I close. It's found in Psalms 149, verses 4 through 9. Here's what it says. For the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with victory. Let his faithful people rejoice in this honor and sing for joy on their beds. Verse 6, may the praise of God be in their mouths. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's it. May the praise of God be in their mouth. You know what? We could, we could end right there and say, isn't that, that is just, that's awesome. That's what I, I want to have the praise of God on my mouth. I want to feel the love of God in my heart. I want to love other people. I just want love and peace and joy and hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But pull up your big boy britches. Because the verse pivots right here. It goes in a different direction. May the praise of God be in their mouths, yes, and a double-edged sword in their hands. 
whoa, baby. Why? Get this. You peace people, get this. <laughs> I am a peace person. I really am. But Why? Why this double edge? I shouldn't have done that. Sorry, guys. Verse 7. To inflict vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples. To bind their kings with fetters, their nobles with shackles of iron. To carry out the sentence written against them. This is the glory of all his faithful people. Praise the Lord. Isn't that interesting? Using praise and the double-edged sword, which is what? What does the New Testament tell us that is? It's the Word of God. Using praise and the Word of God, every believer has total victory over wickedness and evilness in this world. Man. It's your chief weapon against the devil, against evilness, praise, and the power of the Word of God. Why? Because God inhabits the praise of His people. So put on the garment of praise. Church, put on the garment of praise Amen. and run the devil off. 